Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's message comes from the Gospel of Luke, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, last week we asked you this question. What's it like being a follower of Christ? What we found was a few things. The first is that it's impossible on your own. That's because we heard from Paul in Galatians chapter 5. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We are sinful from birth, sinful from the time we were conceived in our mother's womb. And so the works that we do are the works of the sinful flesh in order to please the sinful flesh. And the end result is those who live their lives like this, indulging forever in the sinful flesh, is that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who continue to live their lives in unbelief will not inherit eternal life. Maybe there's some of us who are sitting there thinking that this doesn't apply to us. You know, like, no, I'm I'm pretty good. You know, I'm not that bad of a sinner. At least not like some other people that I know. I mean, there's not a a whole lot that you can really find wrong with me in my life. I mean, you may try and find some, but I mean, I think I'm, I'm pretty good, actually. Or maybe we're like, well, if, if God were to weigh out my deeds, you know, my good deeds versus my bad deeds, well, I think that my good would outweigh my bad. And that when I come out on top like that, I mean, doing good works is really the only thing that matters, right? God's word does apply to all of us. The wages of sin is death. So not only are we born into sin, that's what we call original sin. That's why we have a sinful nature. But as a result of our sinful nature, we do actual sins. All of those works of the flesh that Paul mentioned and things like them that he doesn't mention. Lying, cheating, stealing, murder, hatred, and more things like these. Things that go against the way God wants us to live our lives. And even if we only committed one sin, we would still deserve death. Because it doesn't matter if we're, we're not that bad. Or if our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. We still deserve death. Yes, physical death. And that means that we will all one day die on this earth unless Christ returns first because of our sin. And also it's that we do not deserve to enter into the kingdom of God to receive eternal life. We deserve instead hell, suffering, eternal death. That is why Jesus walked the journey to the cross. 
for you. That's why he allowed himself to be arrested, even though he had done no wrong. Because he was the perfect, sinless son of God. That's why he underwent the beatings that he did, being mocked, the crown of thorns placed upon his head. That's why he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. That's why he willingly, voluntarily would lay down his life, take all of the works of our flesh, all of our sins, and make them his own. Because he knew it was the only way for us to be able to receive the forgiveness of our sins by taking all of our sins, our punishment, our death that we deserve, hell itself, and bearing it on the cross. And he did it all for you. However, that's not the end. If Jesus dies and stays dead, well, then he is no different than any other man who has died and stayed dead. Jesus is no ordinary man. He isn't just a man. He is true man and true God. And because he was the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world, because he was the sinless son of God, because he defeated sin, death, and the devil once and for all, Jesus rose from the dead for you. As he rises from the dead, he gives us the promise that all who believe will rise again on the last day when he returns. Even though we may physically die on this earth. As Jesus walks out of the tomb, he opens the door for all of us to walk into the kingdom of God. As he ascends into heaven, he gives us the guarantee that we who believe will one day join him in heaven. And then he sends his Holy Spirit to create faith in us, to sustain faith in us, to believe all that God has done for us, and also to call us to repentance when we stumble and fall, to lead us in the way of everlasting life so that our names will be found in the book of life for all eternity. And he has given his church on earth, his word and his sacraments, where we can learn of his death and resurrection, where we can receive the forgiveness of sins in holy baptism and in the Lord's Supper, in the words of absolution, which is the same forgiveness of sins that is found in his death and his resurrection. He has given the word and the sacraments for further guarantee of salvation as these are received by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because where there is forgiveness of sins, there is also life and salvation. These are the gifts that Christ has given to his church on earth for your blessing, for your benefit. God uses his means of grace to give his people what they need. And he even uses sinners, sinners like me, called by him, called by his people to give his gifts to his people, to preach his word, to administer his sacraments, to teach and to admonish. And for many, many years, 
There have been many, many people who Jesus has used and whom Jesus has sent to be his instruments in the world, his tools for proclaiming the word. And we saw some of that in our gospel reading for today. We could even ask some of those early disciples, what's it like being a follower of Christ? And they might tell us the story of Luke chapter 10. How one day, Jesus appointed 72 others and sent them ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And so they went, two by two, and they were told by Jesus, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. As we might know, in the world that we live in today, Christians who witness to others sometimes are met with opposition and persecution, like lambs being sent out in the midst of wolves. This was no different in Jesus' time. Thus he told them, But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come here. I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Shaking the, the dust off your feet is to say to that town, those disciples shouldn't associate even with the unbeliever's dust. And it's also a symbol of God's judgment on those people who reject the gospel. And for those who reject it, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Now, if you remember the story of Sodom, it was a city that was marked by extreme sinfulness. Abraham pleaded with God not to destroy the city. Ultimately, if even 10 righteous people were found in it, there were not 10. And God rained sulfur and fire from heaven upon the city and everything in the city, the land, the people left there, was all destroyed. The only people to make it out were Lot and his family. And as you may also remember, Lot's wife looked back at the city when they were told not to, and she turned into a pillar of salt. Those who reject the word of God, having sulfur and fire rain down on you is better than what you will receive. That's because you are not just rejecting the word of God or the representative of God. You are also rejecting God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it does not end well. That's why we need God. Because on our own, left to our own devices in our sinful nature, our sinful flesh, we do reject him. We put our faith in our own works and deeds instead of Christ's work. That's why we need the Holy Spirit to be the one who leads us away from ourselves, to receive God's word and to believe it. 
to see Christ and his work for our salvation rather than trusting in ourselves for our own salvation. And when Christ is the one who is responsible for our salvation, we have nothing to fear. And then when the messengers of God, those sent by him, come and bring God's message, they will be received. We see that when the 72 sent in pairs entered a town that was not opposed to them. Jesus told them, this is what you do. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The miracles of Jesus, many of which were healing the sick, was clear evidence that the kingdom of God had come. Because Jesus had come. It was clear evidence of the power of God because Jesus is God. And Jesus told them, the one who hears you, hears me. The one who receives the messenger and the message of Christ is also receiving Christ. So the 72 went out, and they returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, it's not the disciples' authority that casts out demons. It was the authority of Jesus' name that could do such great things. Jesus then tells them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Jesus promises his disciple protection from evil while they are engaged in spiritual warfare. And as we know, Satan and his minions are active in the world, seeking souls to devour. Christ's power is at work in the lives of his people. And Satan is doing everything that he can to destroy us, to stop the advancement of the gospel. Yet Christ protects us. And even if we are persecuted and put to death, we will receive eternal life. And that's why ultimately nothing shall hurt us. Jesus then ends with, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The takeaway from the 72 being sent out is not that the demons are subject to them in Jesus' name. The takeaway is that their names are written in heaven, in the book of life. That is what matters. And we hear Paul in the New Testament reading from Galatians say, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The cross, in Jesus' time, was a symbol of a cruel, vulgar, shameful, humiliating death that was reserved for slaves and criminals. And what we find in the cross is the powerful message of salvation through Christ's death. The powerful message of this is how much God loves us that he would go through an excruciating death 
for us, for you. And while we are still on this earth, we will continue to sin. We will continue to stumble and fall. And the Holy Spirit is the one who works in our lives to bring us to repentance, to keep us in the faith, and to remind us that we are his dearly loved children, that that sinful nature that is in us has been crucified with Christ. It has been defeated, and thus we are set apart in the world, dead to sin and alive in Christ. And that our names are written in heaven. And thus, as we go and lives, live our lives as followers of Christ, we do not boast in ourselves. We do not boast in our own actions because there is nothing to boast of. We boast in Christ and him crucified. We boast in the things that God has done for us, that God does through us, but we do not take credit for them. Rather, we give him all the glory because he is the only one that deserves all the glory, the honor, and the praise because of his death and resurrection and his continual work in our lives. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.